As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Your employer is probably more scared of the future than you are. Getting fired is about fit. It's really about finding your fit. In realizing that, I came up with a framework around how to pivot your career, how to reinvent your career, how to upgrade your career, because all of us, really at every age, but particularly for people over 50, who kind of grew up in a more stable environment, need to understand how to take the bull by the horns, go into the COO's office like I did, and chart their own career. A Hollywood film studio executive and producer turned executive and career transition coach, speaker, and author, John Tarnoff has a great pivot story and knows how to tell it. Welcome to Bucket List Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie, your host. In the wake of losing his tech startup after he left the movie business, John Tarnoff went back to school to earn his MA in spiritual psychology, pivoting to a focus on education and training. He has this statistic, fired 39% of the time during his 35 working years prior to his big leap, John learned how to turn setbacks into successes in a volatile business. He reinvented at age 50 and is using that knowledge to share his career lessons with others going through similar challenges. The author of the best-selling Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career Over 50. Let's not waste any more time getting to his nuggets of wisdom on finding professional purpose, how he did it, whether in your second act or just starting out. Welcome to Bucket List Careers, John. Thanks for taking the time. It's a great pleasure, Krista. Great to be with you. It's so funny that I found you on LinkedIn. I, I figured you were the perfect Bucketless Careers guest. Right. And then meanwhile, we come to realize that we went to high schools within 10 minutes of each other. Westchester kids. Small world. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about you. It's why you're here. You have an accomplished resume and bio. You went from a Hollywood film studio exec and film producer to a tech startup founder all of that before you had your most meaningful pivot, I would say, getting into education and training. We want to talk about your evolution. So dial it back to those years. What was lighting you up about that? What initially brought you to it? What started to change? Bring us through the transformation, if you will, to what you consider to be now your professional purpose. Well, I was always a movie lover. I started making little movies in high school all the way back. Did this through college, started working on commercial crews in New York City during the summers, went out to film school, got into the business. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. And I, I talk about this on my about section on my on my LinkedIn. 
when I was a junior in high school, they give you this vocational test, right? What career are you going to be winding up in? The number one career that came back for me. Now, I'm a type A kid, Ivy League bound, uh, straight A student. And I get as my top vocational position, university pastor. No, you didn't. (laughs) And I thought, what are they drinking? Because this is as far away from what I could imagine myself doing as anything. I basically ignored that for years, went off, started this career in, in Los Angeles in the business here as a studio executive, as a producer, always an early adopter. So I had a computer on my desk before anyone else got into tech in the 90s when multimedia hit. Mm-hmm. Start up with a friend of mine and we raised money into the bubble. When the bubble hit, everything fell apart. And I hit my first reinvention crossroads. And I thought, okay, I'm about to turn 50. What the hell am I going to do now? I don't want to go back to those jobs that I used to do in Hollywood. I'm kind of on a different track, but I don't know what that is. So I decided to go back to school. And I knew of some people who had been in this very innovative spiritual psychology master's degree program. It was a program that was designed initially for people who were going for their marriage family therapy license. But a lot of people were taking this course as a self-discovery, self-mastery experience, which is what I did. How much did you know at that point in terms of self-awareness? Or were you just saying, okay, spiritual psychology, I'm going to try something totally new? Because for a coach, career change, it seems somewhat unconventional. Right. Well, I had been a meditator in college, and I had always been interested in self-improvement and, and self-knowledge. I've been in therapy for, you know, on and off for, you know, more years than I would care to, to mention. <laughs> so it was a kind of, in a way, a natural outgrowth of this whole self-discovery process mm. uh, for me. So this was, a, this was a kind of a natural pivot for me to think, oh, okay, let me take this program. The hook for me about the program was that it was really about self-awareness and self-mastery through taking 100% responsibility for everything in your life and using forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others as a pathway to healing, reconciliation. And I thought, well, perfect. I'm about to turn 50. I've got a lot of baggage. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's something in here. Did you feel you needed something to help you? Because you gave me this interesting set of statistics. You were fired 39% in 35 years in your career journey prior to coaching. So did you feel that you needed to forgive yourself in some way and realize that this is part of the journey, part of the evolution? That was definitely part of it. And there was a a job that I just, that I never put on my resume for years because it was a job that I should not have taken. Mm -hmm. And I was more desperate than I should have been about taking the job. It was the wrong job for me. I lasted six months and they fired me really rudely. At least it was short-lived, but yeah. At least, right? Uh, And I hated it. And I, but I still was upset. It's like the pretty girl who's wrong for you, who's toxic, who breaks (laughs) up with you. You're thinking, what did I do? I love her. But you knew all along. It was one of those situations, but I knew it was the wrong job. So that was kind of pivotal in its own way to realize that, wait a minute, somewhere along the line, I got to figure this out. Okay. Coming to the end of the startup, getting to 50, I thought now is really the time for me because I've got this whole period of my life in front of me, Mm -hmm. it's time to kind of figure out some of this stuff. 
I never thought I was going to be a coach. I never thought I was going to get into this, this end of the profession. I thought I was going to find some other either entrepreneurial or executive role. And sure enough, what was really interesting, I wound up nine months later after starting this program at DreamWorks Animation in a job where I was being paid more than I'd ever been paid in my life, doing work that I had only dreamed I would be able to do. And it was focused on people not on production. I decided I was not going to go back into those production meetings. I was not going to do that same old script development, get a movie going, get it packaged. I was done with that. At DreamWorks, it was this kind of crazy creative candy store of technologists working with artists to create these animated movies. And these people were amazing and brilliant. And I kind of fell in love with everyone there and gravitated towards this talent development role, which I didn't even know what talent development was, but that's what I was doing. Interesting. So it's like you were craving the connection more than anything else yes. and the interpersonal yeah. relationships and helping people in that regard. So if the first part of the career was about content, the second half of the career has been about people. Love that. And that I think is a natural evolution that a lot of people have one way or another towards finding more meaning and purpose in their careers as they get older. This is kind of a natural psychological phenomenon, which I learned in my program. Totally. So that as we get into middle age, from a meaning and purpose standpoint, there is that itch that we really have to scratch yes. or we're going to become embittered, surrender to resignation, to we're going to retire into meaninglessness in its most dire. And I think that we have an opportunity now for so many reasons at this point in history to double down at age 50 and beyond onto what is next for us? Because we have time. If you turn 65 today, you have at least a 25 to 30% chance of living past 90. There you go. Right? So if you're retiring at 60, that's a third of your life potentially spent in retirement. What are you going to do? You're going to play golf all day? Right. You're going to play bridge, go to early bird dinners? I mean, come on, right? <laughs> as appealing as that may sound to some. No, I hear you. I do. And right? and you did it at age 50. And that's actually part of the title of, of your book, Making a Mid-Career Pivot at Age 50, Boomer Reinvention. Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career Over 50. Nice. So between going to DreamWorks and then leaving DreamWorks in 2010, yeah. I did this resonant, purposeful transition from the content guy to the people guy to the point where this is really what I wanted to do, waking up in the morning and doing this all the time. And I was doing more and more of it at DreamWorks, just at a point where they were going off in a different direction. The recession had hit, their business model was going in a different direction. I was going in a different direction. And I did something which I had never done before to kind of take charge of the situation. And I would recommend that everybody in a kind of a career funk dare to take something like this. Mm -hmm. I went to the woman I reported to, the COO, I said, this is going to be a strange question for you, but is there anything left for me to do around here? Okay. She turned bright red. She laughed nervously. And she said, first of all, I just want to say, we love you. You've done an amazing job. No one could have put this program together the way you did it. You have helped us change the company in a really remarkable way. You've helped us grow our creative and technical staff. It's been fantastic. Having said that, no, I don't think so. She was straight. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think there is anything else. She said, however, why don't you take some time to figure this out? Talk to everyone here. Let's see if there's some way that we can hold on to you where it works for us and works for you. And I did that for a few months and there really wasn't. I really wanted to go off on this direction. 
And I thought, I'm not going to go take another job. I want to build something for myself. So 2010, I went out to be a consultant. I really wasn't sure what that was going to be. I had some ideas around it. And what got me into career coaching, finally, the answer to your question is, <laughs> I did a TEDx talk in 2012, where I came up with this idea of being fired 39% of the time. And the reason that I came up with that statistic was to really destigmatize the idea about getting fired, because most of us grow up feeling like, oh my God, if I got fired, I did something wrong. Totally. Right? It's about me. When in fact, it's not. And increasingly, as the economy becomes more destabilized and fragmented, where your employer is probably more scared of the future than you are, getting fired is about fit. It's really about finding your fit. In realizing that, I came up with a framework around how to pivot your career, how to reinvent your career, how to upgrade your career, because all of us really at every age, but particularly for people over 50 who kind of grew up in a more stable environment, need to understand how to take the bull by the horns, go into the COO's office like I did, and chart their own career. And what do you think the biggest mistakes people are making who are trying to do this mid-career relaunch or reinvention in today's economy, especially? Yes. Relying on your resume is the biggest mistake you can make. Imagining that if you send your resume out to a job application, that's going to set you up for an interview, which it doesn't. I'm sure you talk to people in my work. Of course, I talk to a lot of people. The number one thing people say to me is, I've applied to 50 jobs. I've not gotten a single response. I've been ghosted 50 times or more. What do I do? What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong, except that you're following an outdated job search methodology. And what are they missing then? Are they missing the networking? Is, it, is that the biggest solution to They're that They're missing problem? the network. Exactly. Yes. It is not your resume. It is your network. Stop chasing job openings. Start building relationships. But what do you do if you're not a networking type? I hear that a lot. I don't like to sell myself. Uh, right. Even for me as a reporter, anchor, going out into conference world, yeah. which was totally new to me, a different landscape, I found it was something I had to ramp up to do to sort of sell yourself. Absolutely. You know, we were taught not to be the story, right? So how do you get over that? Right. Well, back to journalism, ask questions. The first thing you do is be curious, right? So let me back up. I don't like networking. I can't sell myself. I can sell anything, but I can't sell myself. The limiting belief there is that you have to sell something. In fact, all you need to do is be yourself. In order to be yourself, you have to understand what your value proposition is. If you have a clear-cut value proposition, the value proposition is what you do, what you deliver, and the ROI that results from what you deliver. If you love what you do, you're clear about the value that you offer, the results that you, that you generate, all you do is talk about that. That's all you have to do. You don't have to sell a thing. I love that. You have to find people who are interested in your value proposition, who need your value proposition. Yeah. And then by getting the word out, bonding with other people through your network, finding your tribe, you're going to be swimming in a sea of people who get you, who support you, who want to hear your story. There's no selling involved. They are beating a path to your door because you do exactly what they need. I do speak to a lot of career coaches. I like to sprinkle them in because a lot of them have pivots yeah. on this show. But what sets John Tarnoff apart in terms of what you bring people, what's singular about how you help people transition? Well, one thing I would say is that unlike 
the vast majority of career coaches and counselors, I do not come out of HR. And I think one of the challenges for career coaches is to get out of an HR mindset. The man has really messed with our minds in that the whole hiring recruiting system is predicated upon the employer running the show. Interesting. And if you talk to most career coaches, resume writers, counselors, they will help you try to tailor your story to fit into a job description. How can you tweak your resume to appeal to this particular job opening? How can you structure your LinkedIn profile to become attractive to the jobs at your level in your field? It's an employer-centric approach. Exactly. I believe in the candidate-centric approach. And we have to deprogram ourselves. Yes, we have to, well, definitely have to deprogram ourselves from that, from that employer-centric approach. Yeah. Because think about it. By doing that, you are disempowering yourself. You are inevitably going to be going into that interview hat in hand saying, please, may I, may I have this job, please? I'm a nice person. <laughs> I will work hard for you. No, you're right. That's the message. A lot of what we're experiencing in the economy right now between the great resignation and quiet quitting is a disaffection that employees have with the system as it is, which is employer-centric. And they're saying, no, there's got to be some way that I have a say in this too. Great resignation, quiet quitting, these are blunt instruments that don't necessarily address the underlying causes, but it's a kind of a cry in the dark. It's like, we need something different here. We need to, we need to rebalance this equation. I right? agree. Totally. I think one manifestation of that's very obvious is the hybrid model and people pushing back and saying, I'm not coming in five days. I'm going to find someone exactly. else who's more flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in this kind of crazy period of transition. The challenge for the individual is to be able to really niche down on that value proposition. Mm -hmm. And at the risk of seemingly leaving other stuff on, on the table, people say to me, well, I can do so many things. I go, yeah, that's, that's not what the employer wants. The employer wants you to be a specialist and expert in this one area. Now, having said that, you want to be either a generalized specialist mm -hmm. or a specialized generalist. You can't just do that one thing. You can't be so deep into it that you have no awareness of what your work does once it leaves your table, your computer, right? Yeah. You want to be part of a system, part of a larger team, but you do want to have something that you can take care of. And I've got so many stories about that, about people who have figured out ways of enhancing that, that specialized portfolio, if you will, right? where it's personal, it's about who they are, what they believe in, what they love doing, what they're good at doing, but also serve the, the interests of the team that they're working on or trying to be hired onto. Okay. So I'm definitely going to have to get you on for a part two. Ah. I want to hear those stories. So if there are people who are interested in learning more about you, the best place to go online is your website, which is? JohnTarnoff.com. Mm -hmm. And if you go to JohnTarnoff.com slash four secrets, the number four secrets, no spaces. I have a guide which will take you through what I believe are the top four skills that you need to learn in order to be more empowered and upgrade your career. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on Bucketless Careers. This was, it went too fast. It's a pleasure. It went too fast. <laughs> There's so much we could talk about. It's a good but, sign. But All right. Leave it there. Always leave them wanting more, right? Yes. Yes. Until next time. Thank you so much. 
you are one of my favorite people because you are listening to Bucket List Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie. Thanks so much for taking the time. Be sure to rate or review, share an episode. And we are rolling out merchandise sometime soon. People have been asking me because we've been talking about it on social media. It is coming. I promise you, keep your eyes out. Back next Thursday with another fresh episode and a brand new rock star bucket list careers guest. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-M-I-C-K media.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.